Hello, we're back with the eighth episode. I think it's the eighth episode of the Midnight Candle Podcast. And I'm Gina, back with Robert Ecker. Hello, people. How are you? They're great. I'm sure they're good. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Labor Day to everyone out there. It's the Labor Day uh, weekend. Hot. It's so hot. hot. When I'm done here, I'm going to jump in the pool. I don't blame you. The problem uh, is that's not good timing for getting ready for our upcoming field trials championships and and wrapping up our gun dog training the, the, this this heat is abnormal for this time of the year and uh, it's about 90 um, degrees right now yeah and it's supposed to be that for the next few days i'm not really happy about it but um we'll get through it uh, one of the ways we'll get through it is with a nice cold beer which uh, we're both drinking you're drinking the Sam Adams Cherry Wheat, which is one of my favorite beers. Um, I love it. I've never had this before. Well, Sam Adams obviously is from New England, but Mm -hmm. the cherries for the Cherry Wheat come from Traverse City, Michigan. Mm. And when I'm traveling in Michigan, uh, most of the bars that I go into have Cherry Wheat on draft, and it's really, really good on draft. So, And I am drinking a Yingling... Hershey Chocolate Porter. I like that one, too. Yeah. That's um, one of my favorites. The Yingling Brewery is the oldest brewery in the United States of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, Family-owned, I believe, for five generations. And it's probably uh, 10 miles from here, which is pretty neat. I've never done the tour. Have you done the tour? No, I, I definitely want to. I know people have done it, and mm-hmm. it's great. Uh, my, my good friend, uh, Ed Sabo... Uh, who listens to the podcast, he likes you, Gina. He says your voice is awesome. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> he uh, delivers a lot of Yingling beer. Uh, he's a truck driver, and um, just thought I'd throw him a shout-out. Yeah. So well, here's to... Uh, oh, let's cheers. Here's to Labor Day. Oh, that's refreshing. Awesome. <laughs> Well, so uh, before we get going here, I, I just wanted to, uh, something came up um, last week. I, I got a couple of uh, messages uh, from a new uh, field trial, new field trialer, someone getting uh, just getting started, Tyler Bowser. And I w- I'd like to first of all congratulate him. Uh, he uh, placed his puppy um, at a field trial this past weekend. Oh, congratulations. Yep, congratulations. And he was a little nervous about entering in that. And it was funny because I, I, he asked some questions and we had in our last podcast, we had talked about, you know, the significance of puppy trials and what could go wrong Mm -hmm. and dogs trailing. We went over that. And why it's good to get that experience. Right. And I kind of talked to him, uh, told him to listen to the podcast and and, uh, told him my opinion and that and he he entered and ran and and won so wow uh, that's a start of a that's good for all of us because that's a a future field trialer um down the road i'm sure he'll be uh um, running more dogs eventually he'll judge um, the the whole gamut so um again shout out to tyler uh, your first win and uh, hopefully it's um, a start of a, a, a fun uh, hobby for the rest of your life. Wow, that's really cool. Yeah. Do you remember what kind of dog he had? Uh, an English pointer, I a think. A pointer? Yeah. Wow. Yep. yep. So there's that. Now, yesterday was kind of neat. Um, I had to go pick up uh, Gordon Setter puppies. Um, 
<clears throat> we we have a male Gordon Setter. Uh, his name is Gordon Ramsey, and uh, he's a beautiful dog. Uh, great bloodlines from uh, we got him from uh, Pat Sanborn, who has uh, excellent Gordon Setters for a long time, and I, I always wanted one and got one from her. So he's our male that that we use as a stud dog. And, he's uh, very handsome. He is a good-looking dog. I believe his brother might be. Uh, a, a multiple champion. Hmm. Um, I, I obviously I haven't field trialed uh, Ramsey. He's actually with my uh, friend Rick Harp down in Florida. Uh, he hunts with them, and uh, we've had him collect it. And so we we stud him out, uh, hmm. you know, via uh, frozen or chilled semen. So um, anyway, I uh, had to go up to Canton, Pennsylvania, to Maple Summit. Gordon Setters, uh, our friend Brian Smith um, has Gordon Setters and wanted to breed to uh, Ramsey. We did it, and she had a beautiful litter of pups. I was on my way up there to pick the puppies up for uh, several clients, and I had never been there. And as I drove around up and down the mountains of the endless mountains of uh, <laughs> northeast and central Pennsylvania, I came around a curve and I looked and I felt like I had been there before, an eerie feeling, and I looked and uh, I saw a sign on, on, on the farmhouse and uh, uh, it said Gould, G-O-U-L-D, and I knew right away that that was um, Phil Gould's farm. Um, and I obviously kept driving uh, and... Uh, I sent the message to Phil's, uh, Phil passed away a few years ago, uh -huh. I believe six or seven years ago now, um, and he was a great friend and client, had some, a lot of big winners for me, most notably Taz, uh, was a, an English setter, um, he was an older brother, I, I think we've talked about Keystone's Red Rider a few times, mm -hmm. anyway, Taz, uh, I won eight open championships with him, which uh, in my career is the most open titles I've ever put on a dog. So wow. anyway, he was a great dog, and I uh, sent a message to, to Marge, Phil's uh, uh, wife, and uh, she was home, and she invited me over, and I uh, got to spend uh, some time with her uh, catching up, reminiscing, and that, that was really uh, a lot of fun, um, just stroll down memory lane. Does um, she have a dog? She still has. Taz lived to be, I think, 17 years old. Wow. And uh, she still has a, a, a son of Taz. Um, and I think she told me he was 13 or 14 years old. Hmm. Yeah. And she had a couple other dogs running around. I saw a lab and uh, some sort of a... Um, uh, a, a herding dog. I don't know if it was mm. a collie or what, what what it was, but yeah, they have a beautiful property there, and, and Marge is a a wonderful lady, and it was a it was just a really nice nice afternoon. So, just wanted to mention what what I did yesterday. Yeah, yeah. and we have those two puppies here. Right. Uh, we if you guys hear some yapping, <laughs> <laughs> we picked up three puppies. Um, first client came and picked theirs up yesterday uh, the next one's coming this week and and the, actually the the third one uh, will be with us for a while um, that puppy is going to uh, 
uh, a longtime client of ours, uh, Dr. Michael Elliott from uh, Phoenix, Arizona, and uh, he would like a, it. Really neat. He's he's doing something that I I would always wanted to do when I was young. He he um, bought an, an Irish Setter puppy, mm-hmm. a Gordon Setter puppy, and an English Setter puppy. A trifecta. Yep, he has them all. And, wow. Uh, he wants us to raise them, and uh, you know get them started in the field. But you know before he takes them, probably next year at this time, uh, to hunt with. Um, the the Irish setter he got came from uh, Celtic uh, Irish setters uh, Paul Ober's great kennel. Uh, that's Kate. Now now I was she's a, ask you that, yeah, yeah she's a little older and we've had her out in the field and and she's doing well. And the English setter will be here uh, sometime this week. And she is sired by uh, Jim Millett's great champion Sterling Worth Jack. A Jack puppy. A Jack puppy. Wow, who is mommy? <laughs> Uh, the mother's name is Cora. Cora. Yeah. Yep. And oh. she's a dog we, we worked before. I was so. going to say, I think I remember yeah. having a Cora. Nice, nice dog. Um, so he's going to have three three young female setters of the three different breeds to hunt with next year. Travels all over the place. Uh, Oklahoma, Texas. Um, I, I think he goes out west. Uh, obviously, you know, Arizona. Hmm. Um uh, maybe maybe next year when he picks the dogs up, he could come out here and do some uh, woodcock hunting with us. And and that brings me to a topic I wanted to talk about, um, and that is uh, bird season coming up. And uh, you know a lot of the a lot of the dogs we've been working this summer, Gina, that you're familiar with, like let's say Tao and uh, yeah, uh, you, you know you name it, uh, Tika, Liesel, you know these Jacob, uh, Jacob. Uh, no, not Jacob. Not Jacob? No, 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 no. Jacob's a field trial dog. Oh. Jake. S- sorry, Jacob. <laughs> you meant you meant <laughs> I Jake. I meant Jake. Yeah, Jake. Jake from State Farm. And Jake from State Farm. Jake from New Jersey. But anyway, those dogs um, are, are for the most part going to hunt uh, preserves, um, mm-hmm. you know, chuckers, maybe stocked pheasants, that sort of thing. But um, a lot of our dogs... Uh, that that we're working with are getting ready for the wild bird uh, season, um, which uh, one of our clients, Jamie Nee, already started. He's up in uh, Maine right now, hunting with uh, uh, you, you know Rod, the dog Rod, yes. and he has Rod up there and Bat, mm-hmm. the Batman, and he has Jura. Right? He has Jura, but Jura's right here. Jura's here. Jura's but anyway, so the 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 wild bird season is upon us or very close, and I'm really excited about that. Um, I plan on hunting a lot of wild birds this uh, season as a, you know a lot of field trialers and, and bird dog people are going to so I'm hoping for a good uh, you, you know when you go to a preserve you pay you put your birds out you're gonna you're gonna find them wild birds is um, obviously um, a challenge and, and you have to hope for good numbers mm-hmm. um, and our early season training which we've been out several times both north of here uh, with our friend Jerry Burke and locally some of our coal company lands seems like the bird numbers are really good yeah yeah um, and that's good for you because um, you'll get plenty of opportunities to shoot your first woodcock can't wait till I shoot my first woodcock and then we could come back and talk talk about it here on the podcast <laughs> uh, well and I'm sure when you're shooting I'll be videoing so hopefully we get that first moment on on film yeah 
That'll be really exciting. And we're back. I think we're going to continue with a couple of questions I had that I thought of after listening to our last podcast. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm ready. All right. Well, speaking of a lot of questions. Oh, you got more? Well, no, I wanted to mention that we will be doing oh, yeah. a training seminar at the uh, uh, Clemo Club up in Cherry Ridge, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. It's an old uh, uh, hunting club established in 1904, I believe. Yes. Um, a lot of history up there. And uh, Nathan Ratchford uh, reached out to me and uh, Wes Matthews, they're young, young guys, members of the club. Um, about doing a seminar, so we're going to be doing that on Saturday. It uh, should be a lot of fun. Um, we're, it's going to be hands-on, working some dogs in the field, and if things work out, maybe we'll get some um, footage, video footage, that we could post on our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, for all uh, to benefit from? Yeah, for the, for the training seminar. Yeah. So that should be fun. Uh, looking forward to that. And then Sunday... Uh, we'll be heading out to uh, Phillipsburg, uh, Pennsylvania, out towards State College. We're going to be running in the Nittany Valley uh, Bird Dog Club field trial. Now, now since we already had commitments for Saturday um, um, for the training seminar, we're, we're only going to the Nittany Valley trial to run in the Derby stake mm-hmm. because the the adult stake and the puppy stake and that, they're, they're going to run multiple days, Friday, Saturday, whatever. So we're, we're just going out on Sunday. We're going to run our string of derbies. Um, pretty excited about that. Um, we have uh, <clears throat> Attitudes burning it down. That's spec. Mm. We have uh, I like spec. Ironstone shenanigans. That's Marshall. Rockland Ridge Rocky, that's Rocky. Uh, Blue Ribbon River, River. that's River. Uh, we're going to be running uh, Scotty. I like Scotty. I like Scotty. And wow. Will he, that be her first ever trial? Uh, with us, yeah, I believe yeah. so. And then you had already mentioned um, Jacob Starr, mm-hmm. um, and he, he's a derby. He'll be running there, too. So we'll be going out there to run some derbies, and that should be fun. And uh, then the following week, we could recap how the seminar went, and and that's it. Okay. So. Question number one. Um, this is from a friend of mine. Okay. So keep in mind, she's not too familiar with the sport, but I thought if she had this question, other people that are tuning in and listening might have it. But she asked me, why do you even use horses in a field trial? Okay. Because we talked about that... Uh, that clip from facebook last week right uh that's that's great mm-hmm. uh, great question there's lots of reasons right well first of all uh there are types of field trials where the handlers ride a horse now you might say why and it 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 started simply as a convenience um you know uh, like let's say a championship is an hour long mm-hmm. uh, you're going to probably cover three and a half miles or more and uh, you know if you have several dogs to run whatever it just makes it easier um, so but let's let's talk about the video clip you you mentioned was a walking trial where the handlers walk so why would there a horse be there 
uh, or why would a horse be there? And that's, again, the same thing. It's for convenience. There were, I believe, uh, 24 dogs in that particular stake. Yes. So that's 12 braces at a half hour each. Um, so that's six hours. Uh, okay. So if the judges had to walk, they're, they're going to be walking six hours plus you know, in between, back and forth to the to the line, that sort of thing. So you're talking maybe eight hours of walking, and uh, and that you know, terrain was not easy. No, it was muddy, and it you was, were up and down. It a, was swampy. Yep, yeah. up and down a uh, uh, that riverbank, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I'm sure they could have done it. Certain judges can, but Ooh, it not just. Me. it just makes it easier for them um to walk now like i remember we were talking about the uh, the one championship i won with pine hill bonnie years ago where there were 98 dogs in it we did the math and it it took it took six or seven full days to run how could you possibly have your two judges walking every day all day for a week straight it would just be too much physically for them Mm -hmm. so that's where the horses come in and the horses uh, allow the judges to stay fresh to to concentrate on uh, uh you know watching the dogs and and what they're doing so that was a great question mm-hmm. and uh i hope i answered that one for her yes okay uh question number oh horses are also important for scouting too not just for judges uh, again, that's getting into the the uh, horseback type field trials mm. where where the you know a scout could ride a horse and go off looking for the dog. So yeah, yeah. I, um, and people in the gallery, let's say, well, you rode. Well, I love to watch. Right, you from you rode several braces to and watched the dogs and rode the horse, whereas you know you probably wouldn't have been able to keep walking all day to watch the dogs. So definitely so, not. Right, so they're used for scouting, judging. Um, and uh, spectating. Yeah. And I think people don't realize how far... We we calculated you walked about 15-ish miles that day. I think right. people don't always realize how far we're walking. Right. Um, I mean, there's been field trials where I've walked over 20 miles in a day. So, yeah. Um, but that's my choice as a handler. Right. Um, the judges obviously shouldn't be subjected to that. Right. And so. Well, thank you for answering that. Okay. Uh, my second question was, can I, as a spectator, help you find a dog? Because there was a point where we know the dog went on point. Which dog was that? I. It was towards the end. It might have been... I forget. Doc. Who, maybe Doc. Yeah. And we were looking and looking, and I wasn't sure. In my role as a spectator, can I help you look for this dog? Ooh, well, each... That's a great question. Yeah. Each handler is allowed to have a scout, as you mentioned mm-hmm. before. And they don't have to be on a horse. It could be walking or whatever. So, um, and it, again, in an open stake, um, uh, the, okay, let, let's take a step back. In an amateur stake, a professional isn't allowed to, you know, mention anything or right. help the amateur handler. But this was an open stake. Mm-hmm. You were walking in the gallery I'm handling the dog, looking for my dog. I did not dispatch a scout. At any time you saw the dog or, you know, yes, you certainly could um, help out. Um, Even, like, say you're watching and you see a bird running or something. You could say, hey, you know, there goes the bird running. And, you know, then the judge and the uh, handler can um, 
take note of that and go look for the bird in that area or if you say i you know i think your dog's over here pointing then they can go over there so i guess the the basic answer to your question is absolutely our, our puppies are awake i hear our puppies <laughs> they were sleeping and now they're up and they're it's awake time <laughs> they're, they're awake but um so yeah you can de- you you can definitely uh say whatever you want good um, i didn't want to interfere if i wasn't supposed to there no you would have been fine okay good Mm, question number three we talked about bat last week bat the dog bat the dog yeah okay and how he was winning the u.s complete championship am i saying that right he was getting us he got a special invitational win oh well he won a couple championships Mm -hmm. okay i don't okay so but you said you have to get points for that. And oh. I wanted to know how he earned all these points. Oh, I get it. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's many different associations um, out there. Um, one that we compete in quite a bit is the U.S. Complete Shooting Dog Association. And what they do is um, they keep track. Uh, shout out to Jameson Crandall, who is uh, the secretary treasurer of the U.S. Complete. So he, he tabulates all the points. And the way that works is once a trial's done, uh, you know, a, a, a club that's in the association, they complete their trial. They send the information in the Jameson and he tabulates the points. And the way that works is um, the number of dogs entered in the trial Mm -hmm. uh, times three points for first, two points for second, one for third. If it's an hour stake, you know, it's double the points or, you know, championship is an hour, so it would be six, four, you know, winner and runner up, whatever. So uh, they have a formula and each dog, each handler uh, accumulates points for the placement. Then at the end of the year, um, the U.S. Complete has an open invitational championship and an amateur invitational championship. And the way that works is they, they, they go to the list of dogs and the top, I think, and I'm not sure if it's, I think it's 12 or 14, I, I don't remember which, uh, they, they invite the top 12 or 14 dogs um, and um the last year's winner gets an automatic invitation to defend your title and they get invited to this championship that's only for those 12 dogs okay or 14 whichever and so that that's i guess when i said he was invited to the well he won the open invitational last year so he's automatically going uh, again uh, this year but that's you know, if you have a dog and you go and you win a bunch of trials and it accumulates enough points, you're going to get invited to an invitational championship. They also have that in um, the the other type of field trials we compete in mm-hmm. are what are called cover dog trials, and they're run on wild birds, okay. on grouse and woodcock, um, and they also the uh, the Grand National uh, Grouse Championship Club also keeps track of points, I believe. Uh, maybe Joe Camisa might be the secretary of that. I'm not sure. He keeps track of the points. Um, and, uh, again, the top 12, 14 dogs in that venue would get invited to the Invitational. Do you have to have a certain number of points, or it's just the dogs with no, the most points? Yeah, it's just the top number of, of points. Do you yep. remember how many points Bat had? I don't. You I'm don't. sorry. Okay. Nope. Thank you for answering that. Okay. I was wondering how this point system works. That sounds a little complicated. 
not not really. No, once you not know really. how to do it. Yeah, once once you figure out how many dogs are in a trial, it's it's pretty easy. But it it is a lot of work for for Jameson or for Joe Camisa because mm-hmm. there are a lot of clubs out there running trials, and I think their biggest problem is the secretaries of the clubs not getting their information in quickly. Mm. Um, I'm a stickler on that. I, I host some trials, you know, at uh, Mohegan Bird Dog, Hunter Run down in North Carolina, West End, wherever, wherever, whenever I'm involved in a trial, within a, a day or two, I send that information to the secretaries simply because I know how, how hard it is for them. Um, and, right, you know, professional I courtesy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't want to make them wait. Good. That's that was my only question. Oh, I thought you said you had three. No, you got all four. Oh, I got all four. Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> so there you go. Um, so I I guess we could kind of wrap things up. Um, we we have a real busy week ahead of us, uh, getting ready. Like I said, for the Nittany Valley trial, and then the next one right after that is the big one for us. The first big trial of the year is the Northern New England Woodcock Championship, Freiburg, Maine. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm hoping to have um, a string of dogs ready for that, both in the championship and the derby. Um, it's going to be tough, like we talked about with the heat, but we're yes. going to do our best and, uh, and give it hell up there. Um, from there... Uh, a lot of people are asking me about my schedule, a lot of my clients and, and, and you know, club officials wondering. Because, you, you know, you're running a trial as a, as a club official. You kind of want a heads up on how many dogs are going to be entered and mm-hmm. how many days you have to plan on lunches and, you know, lodging for your judges, that sort of thing. So most likely after the northern New England, uh, we'll be heading out to Michigan um, I, I was asked to judge an amateur championship out there, uh, which I'm excited about. So I'll be heading out there for sure for that. And then after that, um, our next championship we'll be competing in will be the Continental Championship. And uh, like we, I think we touched on this uh, in a fir- in an earlier podcast. Uh, that we will be running our Britneys and our Irish Setters. Yeah. Yeah. So we we have Anna, Quigley, Pearl. We'll be getting ready for that as on our Britney side, and then uh, is Demon going? Who? Demon? No, no. Unfortunately, Demon is oh. not qualified. Oh. Um, you have to place in a trial prior uh, to running it, so Demon can't go. Okay. Um, on the Red Setter side, we're we're going <coughs> to be running Oakley <coughs> and Misty for sure, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and we're still taking a look at Lee and see if we could get her ready. Uh, Misty, uh, I'd like to mention, I just got a, a text message from uh, Paul Ober. He owns Misty, and, um, and her name was, her registered name was Comeback Misty Red. Mm-hmm. He uh, changed her registered name to oh. match his uh, kennel. She's now Celtics. Hellfire Missile. Wow. Yeah, not a cool name. I, I think that, I like that better. Yeah, I think that's a really, really cool name. Yeah. So anybody that's, um, I know. Hellfire Missile. I know one of our clients and friends, Rich Waters, really likes Misty. I like Misty. Yeah, and he always asks about her and, and that. So from now on, when, when you're looking, it won't be come back Misty Red. It'll be uh, Celtics Hellfire Missile. Wow. Yeah. Okay. 
so. I think we'll still call her Misty. Okay, we're back to wrap it up here with two very special guests <laughs> that were very, very yappy out there. Would you like we to got, say hello? We got our Gordon Setter puppies here. One of one of their name is going to be Jenny. We're not sure which one yet. Uh, that name was picked out, and the other one is yet to be named. Um, puppy one and puppy they two. They are super cute. <laughs> um, I thought, I'm stuff. sure a lot of people know I started with Gordon Setters, and I have a uh, real soft spot in my heart for them. They are a beautiful dog. Hey, you little puppy dog. What are you doing? Would you like to describe them for people that aren't familiar with the breed? Uh, Gordon Setter um, typically will look like an English Setter or an Irish Setter, but the coloring is uh, they're black mm -hmm. and they have uh, tan um, on their legs and um, their, their muzzle and eyebrows, that sort of thing. Uh, this one here... Much um, like a Doberman or a... Right. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or Color. a Rottweiler. Right. But they have long hair, yeah. um, a nice square muzzle, um, maybe a little more square than a lot of the English setters we see nowadays. And this little uh, girl here has a little bit of white on her chest, uh, which is pretty cool looking. Um, and uh, I, I mentioned before, one of them uh, is going to go to uh, uh, Dr. Millet and, and will be with us for a while, so I'm sure we'll be talking quite a bit about one of these in the, in the near future. So, so that's it. We're, we're all oh. done here. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's so note. hard making a podcast. On that note, <laughs> I guess that's it, Gina. We'll see you next week. See you next week. Say bye, puppies.